authority has become a, a major issue in our in our uh, society today. And if you heard a knock on the door and someone on the other side of the door says, "Open up in the name of the law," what do you do? Well, they have an they have authority to come in, and if you don't open the door, they're coming in anyway. And they have that authority based on what the law says. And so we have rights in our society where we uh, can question authority. We can say, by whose authority do you do these things? Is there a law for that? Is is that uh, agreeable with uh, the Constitution in our case? Or is that agreeable with the laws of the land? And it's interesting to think that Jesus himself had similar issue, similar problem in his ministry. In Luke chapter 20, uh, I believe it's about verse 2, the scribes and Pharisees confronted Jesus. They, The word confronted is uh, kind of a hostile term, and they got in his face, and they said, by what authority do you do these things? You're, you're performing miracles, you're preaching, you're teaching, you're you're teaching in parables. You're you're healing the sick. And by what authority are you doing these things? I believe that was a valid question. Obviously, their intent wasn't valid and their intent was hostile. Uh, they were not going to listen to the truth. We have evidence of that uh, later. But the question was a vital uh, question. Jesus answered the question with a question. And he said, John's baptism was it from God or men? All right. Well, look at that as the answer to the questions uh, that we face today. By what authority? And Jesus is basically saying there are two sources for authority. Hmm. Obviously, we want to look at this from a spiritual point of view. Jesus is speaking about our ability to reason and our ability to make good decisions based on the evidence, based on what the written word tells us. And he says, here's, here's the uh, test that you need to give to any spiritual question. When there's a question of spiritual authority, the, the question then becomes, is it from God or men? <laughs> is there any way to tell? And there is. There's a way to tell. And we have to look at the authority from Christ and how does it be, get transferred to the written word? How do we get the information from the scripture and, and if, how do we know that it came from Jesus? And so these are important questions. There are authority questions that surround us every day, but in, in, our, in our existence as Christians and as people that are looking for truth and looking to become a Christian, we need to ask that question. By what authority? Do I have authority for this? And so we need to look back at the source of our authority. Of course, open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Here in Philippians, Paul is writing, and it's interesting that in Philippi, Paul is in prison. <laughs> and really, there was no authority to have him in prison. Hmm, does that sound familiar, like anything happening today? <laughs> Yeah, it happens. It's not We're not the first to suffer through that. won't be the last. And Paul's there in prison, and there was no authority to arrest him. There was no authority to hold him. And yet there they were, down in the, in the dungeon, singing praises to God. And, of course, the 
gates are open, the, the cell doors are open, and the prisoners are free to go, but they don't go. And of course, they uh, convert the jailer, and they convert Lydia, and they convert others there in Philippi. But it's interesting to think about this church being, uh, there's individuals there that are, are part of this answer. By what authority? They had to examine the evidence. They had to look at the evidence. They had to say, who is this Christ? I'm going to put my faith in someone that I don't know. I'm going to put my faith in someone I know, and I'm going to do the, the due diligence. I'm going to look into the information. I'm going to look into the evidence, and I'm going to make a, a decision based on the evidence, not just some whim, not just some leap into the dark. That's foolishness. No, I'm going to, I'm going to ask the questions. I'm going to dig in. I'm going to do my own work, and I'm going to look for the information. Here in Philippians chapter 2, beginning of verse 5, have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although is existing as God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, uh, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. This then is the very essence of the beginning of Christ's authority. What did he do? Well, we have to go back before the foundation of the world. There's a plan in place. God says, I put this plan in place long before I formed the world, long before I made man and woman. He says, this plan, there's going to be a safe place. You're going to get in it. It's called in Christ. And you're going to be part of this plan. And you're going to be uh, members of this. You're going to be subjects to the king, the king of kings, Jesus Christ. But this individual emptied himself. He didn't regard equality with God a thing to be held on to. He said, I'm going to do uh, what God has asked me to do. I'm going to work the plan. The plan is for me to die as a man on earth. Wow. Now we start to see there's a development of authority. Jesus is working the plan of God. God says, I've got the plan. Jesus says, I'll work it. I'll do it. We find from other scriptures, John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. You can add the word always. That's the imperfect ver uh, tense of that particular verb. And it's always was. It's eternal. Jesus is eternally God, really. And then the very next two verses in John chapter 1 says, he created everything. He was the creator. And not only that, Colossians chapter 1 says he's the sustainer. And so the very reason that you even exist today, that even your body is held together, that the universe continues as it, as it has since creation and gravity works every day and the sun comes up in the east and, and so on, all the things that we just sort of take for granted, is because Christ has the authority. Christ created it. Christ now sustains it. He's there seated at the right hand of God, reigning as king. But here in Philippians chapter 2, he says he didn't regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Did Jesus have the right to stay there? Yes. But his love motivated him to let go of that. It was voluntary. And so this authority then, God says, because of that, I am going to give you all authority. Remember our Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. It begins with these words, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Who's speaking? Oh, Jesus is speaking. How much authority has been given to Jesus? 
All. <laughs> How much is left? Well, let's see, I'm no math major, but there's nothing else left. If all authority is given to Jesus, there's nothing else left. All means all. Now, we have to go back in our history. We have to go back, and we have to look at this ministry and say, okay, what authority did he display for me to put my life in his hands, to put my eternity into his hands? Is there anything that he displayed authority over? Well, we don't have to look far. But in the scripture, I believe it's John chapter 6, we see him defying gravity. He's walking along on Lake, uh, the Sea of Galilee. He's walking along on a massive lake, a massive body of water, some 600 feet below sea level. There's a massive major storm coming in. It was probably worse than the Texas tornadoes. And here comes the apostles who are experienced fishermen, boatmen. They're, they're fearing for their life. And they look out and they see Jesus and he's walking on water and they say, hey, it's a ghost. Yep. Gravity. How could he defy gravity? Well, he created it. <laughs> Remember? He's the creator of all things. He created the natural law. And another one, I, I love this particular passage because uh, Peter gets to go fishing. <laughs> they start complaining. They tell Jesus, they say, Aren't you going to pay the, the temple tax? Aren't you going to go pay the two uh, denarius temple tax? Everybody has to pay that. It's it's putting in your fair share. Everybody's got to do it. If you're a Jew, you got to pay. Taxes, taxes, taxes. That's Does that sound familiar? <laughs> we haven't changed that way at all. It's like that's all we do now is we pay and we pay and pay. Yep, yeah, We're supposed to. We're required to. Jesus says, of course I'm going to pay. So he tells Peter, go fishing. Peter goes, right on. I'll go fishing. The first thing that he catches has two denarius. This fish that he catches has two coins in his mouth. He tells Peter, go fishing, and the first fish you catch, it's going to help us pay the tax. He had power over nature. Imagine if you could do that. If you could go fishing and then you caught the fish that paid the IRS. <laughs> wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be great? That'd be fantastic. Yep. See, Jesus had authority over nature. But not only that, he had authority over the creatures of nature. In his triumphal entry to prepare to enter as a king seated on the, on the foal, the colt, of a donkey. He says uh, to his apostles, go into town and find me a, an unbroken uh, foal, a, a young unbroken donkey. Now, I don't know much about unbroken animals. Uh, if it doesn't have a key, I'm not driving it. <laughs> but it's like, apparently people do that. They actually get on something that's not broke and they have to break it. And I guess they, you call them cowboys and they bounce around on this thing and it tries to throw them off and it's Oh, it looks like it's painful. Yeah. Jesus says, go get one. As soon as Jesus gets on this animal's back, there's no resistance. There's no rodeo. We don't see Jesus riding in, you know, trying to hang on. It's like, nope, he's seated, just carrying on. Yep, he had complete control, he had complete authority over creatures, this fish that Peter caught, this gravity that he uh, 
just went past and said, I'm, I'm not going to be held by the law of gravity. I created gravity. I can, I can defy it. Jesus had authority over nature and creatures, but it gets better than that. His authority went to those who are sick. In our country, there's many people who are sick. There's several that have died, and it's like, oh, it's tragic. Oh, it's terrible. And people are getting sick all the time. And wouldn't it be great if we could just say, you're healed? You know, I wonder where those uh, psychic healers are, these uh, people that claim they can heal. Where are they? Why aren't they taking care of this little pandemic? Well, here's a news flash for you. They're charlatans. They're just making it up. They can't heal anybody. But we know in our history, there was one individual who could, and he passed that, that power on to some of his closest associates, his apostles, and they could heal. And it's just fascinating to think that Jesus, in his ministry, he heals some 19 separate cases of illness. 19. And it included a pretty impressive uh, list of, of maladies, blindness, Bartimaeus. He couldn't see, and Jesus says, now you can see, and he could. That man that was lame, that was lowered down into the, uh, through the roof of the house, Jesus says, take your bed and walk. The guy takes up his bed and walk. He... We have to go through physical therapy after we've been in the hospital for a week. <laughs> we can't, we've forgotten how to walk. This guy hadn't walked for 40 years. There's no muscle, there's no tendon, there's... Jesus says, walk. 19 different maladies. Someone couldn't speak, and suddenly they could. Oh, the bleeding stopped. And you just, you just go through your memory and just remember all the sickness, the leprosy, all, all the problems. And Jesus says, I got that. You're worried about that? I have authority over sickness. And where does sickness often lead? Well, if we say the cancer word, if we even hear it, it breaks our heart. Because we don't know how it's going to end. We have a pretty good idea, but it's like, oh, no, this is tragedy. My life was probably over. Yep, probably. Hmm. Jesus said, I'll... Raise the dead. There are three different individuals that Jesus raised from the dead. The daughter of Jairus, the widow's son, I believe she was from Nain, and of course, most famous would be Lazarus, and well, himself. That's <laughs> kind of a big one. <laughs> yep. He had power over death. He had authority over death. Where am I going to put my trust? Where am I going to put my faith? Where, where should I put it? I would say in someone that's capable of that. <laughs> someone that has authority over nature, over creatures, over sickness, over death. And if that wasn't enough, if you're not convinced yet, there's more. As always, the Bible just continues to overflow with this information. In the first century, men and women like you and I, Men and women were plagued with demons. I believe there was a reason for that because in, in our situation, uh, in, the in the situation of the first century, 
Christ needed to display his superiority over Satan, and his apostles needed to do the same thing. And so I believe as the power of Christ was displayed over and over and over, Satan was trying to match that power. And of course, we know Satan can't match the power of Christ. We know Satan is not God. He's not all-knowing and all-powerful. He's what we believe to be a fallen angel. If you believe that, it's that's part of his existence. He made a bad choice and he's paying. Yep, that's the, that's the issue with an angel. But here, it's interesting to think that men and women were possessed with demons. Little minions of Satan doing his bidding. He would take out his wrath and his anger on innocent individuals. Remember that little boy that would throw himself into the fire? His his father was like frantic. I, What do I do? There's nothing I can do about this. This would be horrible. Imagine your son being tormented like that by a demon. There's no power on earth that can take care of this. And yet Jesus said, I got this. Power over demons. I'm going to show you my superiority over Satan. What a relief. And of course, he passed that power on to his 12 apostles. And, and they may have passed some of that on with people they laid their hands on, but I believe after that it stopped. And we've seen in our history that demon possession has, for the most part, ceased. There's been interesting sidebars here and there of individuals, and mostly it's Hollywood. But the spiritual battle, Jesus says, I've, I've got authority over that. I'm the winner in that situation. <laughs> I want to attach myself to a winning team. I want to be on the winning captain's team. Yep. Jesus says, I have authority over demons and I have authority over angels. You know what? When, when angels are told to do something by Jesus, you know what angels do? They do it. <laughs> maybe we should, I don't know, maybe we should follow the angels' example. And when Jesus asks us to do something, maybe we should do it. Yeah, you think? That would be an excellent idea. You see, Jesus has authority over angels. And we find that throughout the scripture. And he says, angels are sent to minister, to help those and serve those who are following me, following Christ. They're out there. They're doing their master's bidding. Whenever Jesus asks them to do something, they respond by doing it. I can just imagine uh, like a stadium, maybe the Lambeau Field, maybe the Cotton Bowl. Can you picture that? Imagine 72,000 angels. And they're looking down on the field. And what's down on the field? Well, that's, that's the human race. They're down there and involved in this battle with, with Satan and with his minions. And part of this battle, part of, part of this battle to, to, of good versus evil is when Jesus is put on the cross. And I could just imagine the angels on the edge of their seat and they're looking to God. They're, they're looking for the go sign. They're saying, that's your son down there. That's the Lord. You're letting this happen? And they're on the edge of the seat. They're just waiting. They're waiting to come down and just wipe mankind off the map. Look what they're doing to the Son of God. They've got him stretched out on an old small timber. They're driving nails in his hand. Listen to his cries, his screams of pain. Look at the blood. You've got to be kidding me. The angels are like, you're kidding me. Yeah, imagine 72,000 angels and the destruction they could bring. 
You know who has authority over angels? That's right. Jesus says, I've got authority over angels. I could have called them. We have a song we sing, and we don't even give it, give them the proper, proper credit. Our song says he could have called 10,000 angels. That's a pretty good number. He could have called 72,000 angels. Legions. Whoa. You see, the reason that we follow Jesus, the reason that he has become the source of our authority is because of his authority over these things that I've just mentioned, over nature and the creatures that are in nature, over uh, sickness and death and demons and angels. Mm, That's pretty impressive. Now, what's even more impressive and what's even more bizarre is he, with all his authority, he didn't hang on to it. Remember, Ephesians, or Philippians chapter 2 says he didn't regard it a thing to be held on to, grasped. But he emptied himself. And what did he tell his apostles? He said, I have some information that needs to be broadcast throughout the world. I need to take this information. I'm going to give you authority to do my bidding. The, the word apostle just means one sent, one on a mission. And so Jesus says to his 12 apostles, he says, now go. Where are we supposed to go, Jesus? Into all the world. Okay. And what are we supposed to do? Teach them. Teach them what? All that I've commanded you. Really? You see, there's something else involved. He says, I want you to immerse them. What? We use the word baptize, but it's just a a word we stole from the Greek, but it just means a dunk them in a pool of water. It's like, what? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Yeah. By what authority? In their authority. Remember when the cops come and pound on your door and they say, open up in the name of the law? <laughs> Jesus goes, you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the authority. And Jesus says, I want you now to teach. He delegated his authority. Now, good leaders have always done that. To one they say go, and he goes, and to another he says come, and they come. Yep, good leaders. Remember that Roman centurion that said that to Jesus? Remember that? Jesus goes, yeah, that's a man of faith. Yeah, that's an awesome dude. And so Jesus says, I'm giving you the authority. Now, what's interesting is those individuals that God or that Jesus gave his authority to, they were instructed to write it down. Oh, now we're getting somewhere. Now we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. This now becomes Christ's authority. Remember what it says in John chapter 12, verse 48, by these words, you'll be judged. By what words? By the authority that I gave my apostles, I received from the Father, and I, I distributed that authority to 12 men and to a few others, some of those authors of the New Testament that weren't apostles, namely Luke, possibly his own brother, James, <coughs> the, the author of Hebrews. Uh, there's, there's a few others, and they kind of go, was Mark an apostle? No. And you kind of go, hmm. 
Jesus says, I'll give that authority. I'll delegate that authority. And now that becomes the authority. Now, Jesus would pray in John chapter 17, oh, Father, I pray that they'll be one, like you and I are one. Was that just a futile prayer? Was that just wishful thinking on our Lord's part? No. <laughs> Where can we find unity? Can we find unity? And so we start looking at that. And we say, there's only one way. We go back to the authority. We go back to the source of the authority. Who's the source of the authority? It's not man. Remember, there's one or the other. It's either God or man. If we agree that it's God, then we have to agree that it's the word of God. Here it is. Now, are we following it? Are we so ignorant that we can't follow it? Well, God wouldn't give us something we couldn't follow. So what's the problem? Well, ignorance. Hosea would say, what? <laughs> My people are destroyed. Why? For lack of knowledge. Hmm. And so Jesus says, I've delegated this authority to apostles, and I've delegated it to individuals who are going to write this information down. The Holy Spirit is going to give them direct information, and then it's going to be in print for the rest of time, and you all can be unified upon that, on the authority of Christ and his word. Ah, his word empowered by the Holy Spirit, documented the plan of God, written for all time. And then thankfully, somebody took the time to actually translate it, put it in my language. I don't have to learn Greek. I don't have to learn Hebrew or Aramaic. I don't have to learn these ancient languages. I can, but I can just read it in English. I can even pick which translation I want. Now, some are better than others. Just be aware of that, but I can read it in my own language. Praise the Lord. And so when we start to see that Jesus had all authority and then he delegated that authority and then had the authority written down, we can come to this conclusion. Every rational, sincere soul should joyfully enter Christ's kingdom. Jesus said, here's how you do it. It's a new birth. He tells Nicodemus at night, it's a new birth. It's spirit and water, and you have to do both. There's water involved. Yep. It's a new birth. And once we're in, once we've been immersed for the forgiveness of our sins, and once we've been added to the church, and that the church will last forever, this kingdom that's forever, will happily and fervently serve him, serve him as king for the rest of our life. It might be a week. It might be a month. It might be a year, it might be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, okay. But for the rest of your life, it's based on the authority of Christ. Without that, there's nothing. It's every man for himself, and we've seen where that goes. It's chaos. It's insanity. Without some authority, without some standard, then anything goes. And Jesus goes, that's not the plan. Follow my words. Follow me. I have made it to the Father. I want you with me. And so I want you, as a sincere soul, searching or continuing your process on becoming more like Christ, I want you to maintain your relationship with Christ. And I want you to look forward to that time 
that you can spend with him for eternity. God bless you.